Before we get started with this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me let you know that it's brought to you by Draft, Draft.com. Fantasy sports fans, listen up. Did you know that your chances of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft. Playing a real-life NBA, NFL, or for this podcast purpose, PGA Draft right now. Be done drafting in under five minutes and get paid out the day the tournament is done. The PGA version is great. You draft, you enjoy the four days, and you collect your money Sunday night. Drafts are filling every second so you can join them whenever you want. All new players, this is the catch. All new players, when they make their first deposit, get entry into a real money draft by using the promo code SD Sports. You gotta use the promo code SD Sports to get that free entry. That's right. Playing a real money draft for free by using the promo code SD Sports. But it gets even better. For some crazy reason you do not like draft, they are offering a hundred dollar money back guarantee. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now. But you have to use the promo code SD Sports. Void or prohibited must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. Now, welcome to this week's edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. Lay. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, your 2018 RBC Heritage Preview. Check out the podcast on Twitter at Always Press DFS and at your local listening locations, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, The Works. Before we get started, let me introduce my co-host, as always. Find him on Twitter at BPSnow11Bucks. How we doing, man? Doing great, buddy. Just uh, traveling for work and still recovering from Masters Week, so it's all good. Yeah, you had some fun there. We'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. After I introduce our other co-host, find him on Twitter at DFSGolfGods. Jesse, how we doing, man? I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm tired. Um, it was a long weekend. A lot of teams to build uh, all weekend long because we got a new stupid-ass slate on DraftKings. Um, but I feel like I'm hungover today, so if I'm sluggish, I apologize. And that's coming from a guy that doesn't drink anymore, folks, yeah. so that's telling you something right there. Um, before we get into the Masters, actually, I meant to ask, put this on the outline I forgot. What was your take on that day-to-day different things? I didn't play it at all, so start with you, Jesse, and then Bucks. If you got any opinion on it, let us know. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if, if the if the weekend slate is like a turbo, because I don't know if you remember, but basically a year ago at the Masters, we got weekend slate, and we talked about it, Bubba, me and you, I think, on a pod afterwards, and I said it was like a turbo for like, you know, a two-game slate or something like that on baseball or basketball. If that's a turbo, then this is like just – seriously going to the um, casino and just putting $5 bills into a slot machine and pulling the trigger. I mean, that's the best thing I can, unless you're max entering this and just trying to get as many different, it's just, I don't know. I, I personally like the weekend golf better. Um, but, you know, I, I just, it, it, and it's also just, it, for us golf guys, we're not used to making a lot of, four nights a week, you know, it's, uh, it's a grind. 
so, you know, if props to you baseball, basketball guys out there, it's it's a grind, man. Yeah. Well, Did you dabble in all bucks? No. Um, I looked into it, but I, I just couldn't. I mean, it's not like there are some applications out there, some lineup building tools that are decent for golf, but it's not like baseball, basketball, football, where you have mm-hmm. some really sophisticated tools to build these mass lineups. Yeah. Um, and it's a different theory in my opinion. So it's not easy to build 150 lineups three, three out of four nights or something like that. Um, and so I, I didn't do it, but I, I just, I didn't understand. I, I was going to dabble in it, but I didn't understand why they did some of the scoring rules they had. So I stayed away from it just because I was, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, I'm with you. It's one of those I, I didn't touch at all. I, 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 I want to see more of that because even when it comes to baseball and basketball, when it gets to just a couple game slates, I stay away. I want nothing yeah. to do with that kind of stuff. I like the you know more longevity of an event type deal, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk Masters. And yeah, it was something special. Um, if you've been living under a rock and you still listen to this podcast and you don't know who won, well, Patrick Reed did. And he, he was um, very, very impressive. Uh, he didn't have to do much except play just par golf on Sunday, and that's what you want to do as a champion. Uh, overall, it was just great. Uh, Bucks, what was your take on uh, Big Pat finally finally taking one down? I mean, I, I'm personally a fan of Patrick Reed, and, and I, as far as golf goes – I try to take a lot of the personal stuff out of it. I mean, everybody has life issues. Like everybody's dealing with something. Everybody has some bullshit family issue they're dealing with. And so why would I bash on Patrick Reed just because he has some family issues? It's the same people though, that are the biggest tiger fans in the world. And he dealt with some of the biggest family issues we could possibly imagine. Um, The fact that matters, Patrick Reed if you weren't a fan of Patrick Reed after the Ryder Cup, last Ryder Cup, you're not a golf fan because he – You're not American. He dominated, and it was incredible. And he did the same thing here at the Masters. Every time you thought he was kind of letting the door open, he slammed that son of a bitch. I mean, that putt on 12 when you kind of thought Smith was making a run, mm-hmm. I mean, that was just insane. So I am a huge – fan of really good golf and he played really good golf and deserved to win that event yep i agree uh, jesse what are your thoughts on the weekend yeah i mean for me you know it's uh it, we all have a past and so I, I don't i typically don't judge anybody by that my, my issue always with patrick Reed is just he's just so hard to predict oh, right yeah. so like that's why i don't i can't become a fan of him um because a lot of what i do i become a fan of guys based on how they play and you know my DFS drafting team. <laughs> um, you know how how consistent they are. Um, that's I mean that's really I mean I, I love golf obviously and I, I would watch it either way. But um, he's he's just so he's so hard to predict. I mean he's just that's what I don't that's what I just can't I can't jump on board for that. But I mean I'm you know he he played um, the golf tournament that he needed to play. I think he had the I think he had two three putts all week. Um, Jordan had four and Ricky had three and that ended up being the difference between the three of them. Um, and that's what you got to do in a major tournament is you got to putt well. 
and again, you know, that's something it's hard as hell to predict who's going to have the lightning putter coming in. But, um, you know, it, it just adds to it just adds to the greatest year that we could possibly have in golf because who saw him coming and winning the Masters? Not many, um, not many people. So, you know, it's uh, it's another wrench, man. I mean, it's this is just going to get better and better all year. Yeah, it's another, you know, big time name winning a, another event, and it's not like the same dude every year. Not that I didn't like Dustin winning every event early on or whatever, but it's just another group of guys dominating things. Um, thought, I, I want your guys' thoughts on this. Nike not allowing Pat to wear his red and other guys to wear their normal colors on Sunday because Tiger was wearing red, I think is the most chicken, excuse me, shit thing I have ever seen. Thoughts? I mean, is that what yeah. is that really what it was? Was Nike said yeah. since since Tiger's playing? Because I yes. thought I thought it was they they're trying to sell these Azalea type clothes, Masters type clothes. Because all those guys who were wearing the Nikes, they had the Nike shoes on with the little flowers. So I thought it was just a push from them. Um, I didn't hear anything about Tiger. Is that the, is that the real reason? That's what I read yesterday morning. Yeah, I mean, if, if that is the real reason, then that's bullshit. But I can't imagine Patrick Reed deciding not to wear red because Nike told him so. Like, I, I would I would say he would give him the middle finger before he'd, like, comply to that rule. But who knows how much he's getting paid. Um, so I, I didn't care one way or another. I was surprised to see him in the pink. But yeah. Whatever. He'll probably wait. He'll, he'll wear pink on Sundays for the rest of his life. I would. I would. Yeah. I mean, yes. he, he's only got – he doesn't have an equipment deal. He's only got the clothing deal with Nike. So, I mean, I don't know if that put anything into it or not. But, yeah, I fully expect him to wear red. But either way, or some form of red instead of pink. I guess it had to do with – like I, I thought it had to do with the azaleas and them trying to incorporate that shit into the Masters. But – it probably did, but who knows? Um, so overall, an insane weekend. You know, you had Spieth coming out on the opening round, just blitzing the field in the afternoon. Then he falls back. Everybody's moving up and down. Reed does his thing and kind of holds on to the lead after a while. The Saturday, just where he had a couple eagles and some other big rounds, and other guys making moves. And on Sunday, you have Spieth go nuts. You have Fowler go nuts. So many guys played great. Uh, what's your overall take on the weekend besides just the simple facts? It was an amazing weekend of golf. Yeah, Pops. I mean, yeah, I think it was just a really great weekend to watch golf. I mean, I mean, starting with Tuesday coverage and Tiger just balling out on Tuesday, and then you have Wednesday where Finau seemingly – broke his ankle and still played four amazing rounds of golf. Yes, did you guys see the pictures of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. And then you have Jack's grandson making a hole-in-one and then Sergio dumping five balls into the water and then <laughs> Leishman folding like a lawn chair and Spieth going bananas on Sunday. I mean, Ricky going bananas. It was just incredible golf. And it's not mm-hmm. like one of those events where – you were just holding on for dear life. Like Patrick Reed had to win that golf tournament. He wasn't just yep. holding on. He had to win it. Um, and so as far as golf goes, it was phenomenal. It was awesome. And then Charlie Hoffman making a hole one was just <laughs> insane. 
So yeah. it was pretty wild. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, it started crazy with that whole deal on uh, on Wednesday at the par three contest. I actually had ran out during that that time when all of this stuff happened. So, um, but it was you know it started it started really really epically, and um, you know Sunday didn't disappoint. I, I really I, I didn't expect it to be that exciting. I thought Patrick just played such solid golf. I thought that he would yeah. would win um, going into Sunday. Um, but I didn't expect McElroy to play as shitty as he did. Uh, but the leaderboard was just completely loaded with, with big names. Um, you know, Ricky's the bridesmaid again. Uh, and Spieth would have been tied for a second if he didn't bogey the last hole and it was shot 63 on Sunday. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And, and then, you know, Spieth hit that shot in the 13. I don't know if you guys remember out of the pine straw yeah. um, and hit it to what about 10, 15 feet. Yep. And just barely missed the putt. Um, so it was, it was, it was Augusta. It was the Masters, and it lived up to being the greatest golf tournament that there is, in my opinion. And it's just crazy because we're gonna see this group. Uh, we finished our golf yesterday. There's a Masters group on that, and we're all watching the last like, you know, ten holes or whatever. And we're sitting there going, you know what? We get to watch this group of golfers for like the next ten to fifteen years do this mm-hmm. at Augusta. Yeah. It's going to be freaking wild mm-hmm. um, to see it happen. Let, let's talk about Ricky before we talk about the elephant in the room that is Tiger. Um, he did finish second this year. But to me, this felt different than his other bridesmaids for the fact he didn't fall apart. He did really well. His Sunday was amazing. He birdied 18. His post game was great when he talked about he's ready to win. And I don't know if you guys saw the quote or heard the quote, but when he said that was the most important putt he's made in a long time because it didn't let – Spieth have the solo second to brag about. He flat out <laughs> said that, which I absolutely love, and that just shows why this is so fun with this group of guys that they care about. They don't care about the money. They got more money than they know what to do with. Um, the fact that he doesn't want his buddy because he can hold that one against him, you know, when they're in their trip in the Bahamas and go, hey, remember when we tied for a second at the Masters? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. it's going to be that much better. So uh, what, what the question is, though, is, When's Ricky going to get his? Because it's got to come soon. Like, he's already got the players, but when's the big one coming for Ricky? Um, and if it's if he doesn't get it next, who do you think the next, you know, first-timer is? Because Reed, obviously, first-timer. Yeah, for me, I think it literally can come any time for Ricky. I think earlier this year, and we've talked about it here on the pod, I, I personally – when Ricky at the Masters because he has been struggling. Um, I mean, he's still playing good golf, but up to his standards, he was struggling. Um, so it was really great to see him kind of break through and start playing that really, really good golf again. Um, and with with knowing that, I, I think that he is in contention for every major. I think that the U.S. Open, I think the British Open suit his game. Um, a bit more, especially the British, if the conditions get bad. Um, so I, I really like him. Outside of him, though, I mean, there are so many guys that could step up and win at any moment, which is why golf is so good right now. I th- I was reading on the, the airplane yesterday that um, the average tour player, I think average age is 30. Like top, like top 50 in the world, average age is 30. I believe um, it. And in 1995 or something like that, it was 40. And yeah. so we've just seen this massive uh, increase of 
good young talent. Um, I mean, for me, I could see players like Patrick Cantlay or Cam Smith stepping up. Um, but you still have that crop like Ricky that are still out there banging on the door seemingly every major. So um, if not Ricky, maybe Cantlay just because of the t- sheer, sheer talent. But I still like Ricky. No, and, you know, before I get to Jesse here, something you said there makes the most sense is there's so many good options. Like, there's that many guys you would not be shocked. Like, you mentioned all those 40-year-olds. You go to a tournament, okay, it's going to be one of these three or four guys. Now it's it's a crapshoot, and that's what made it fun this weekend. Uh, Jesse, what's your take on that one, the Fowler? Yeah, I mean, still, you know, one guy you guys didn't mention was Rom. Um, oh, yeah. No, he shot 65-69 on the weekend after kind real, of a start. Real quick, real quick. Did you guys see the Rom thing where he freaking acts like he hit the worst shot on the planet, slams his club down, and yeah. he hits the green and it rolls towards the pin? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he, he had actually that. That was a great Hideki moment, yes, for him, yes. It was – He's got a lot of growing up to do still. Still, that's crazy. But the talent level is so incredible with him. Yeah. It'll happen. Um, so him, Paul Casey, made a run Sunday. Yeah, big run. Uh, Fleetwood was there. He didn't play that well. He just had that one good round on, on, on Sunday. But, I mean, he's 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 going to win one as well. And then Hideki, you know, he topped 20s again. Um, it, it's just amazing for Fowler though. I mean, he's got to be coming from behind or he's just got to completely change his mindset whenever he's leading. That's it. Because he played outstanding golf 65, 67 on the weekend. And, uh, he's got to be coming from behind or like I said, just completely rethink how he's, how he's playing with the lead. Cause he'll be in the lead again. Yeah, definitely. Uh, last thing we'll talk about here and then we'll move on from an amazing weekend in Augusta. Um, Tiger Woods roller coaster of a weekend is the way I'll describe it. It was great seeing him out there, sneaks in on the cut line, has a great Sunday to to kind of get to the middle of the pack or so. But it wasn't quite the Tiger weekend many expected. Bucks, what are your takes on Tiger? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tiger hit the ball well for the most part. He he got himself in some uh, in trouble a few times. Um, which is obviously costly, but to be honest, he was hitting his irons really well, um, but he just didn't make anything. He, his putter was cold, um, I feel, all, all week, all weekend. Um, and when you got, I mean, he was still, no, he was not in contention, but he was still at a point where he was hitting the ball well enough to be in contention. The difference was you had guys like Spieth and Ricky and uh, Patrick, uh, Rom even, they were making – when we talk about mas- the Masters and we talked about it last week, you have to take advantage of the opportunities you get at Augusta. Those guys took advantage of their opportunities better than anybody, obviously. Um, but you look at Reed and Spieth in particular, and they made everything, man. I mean, it was insane, and Tiger didn't make anything. So I, I think his game is there. He hit his driver better. He hit his irons better. Um, but he still, he just didn't make anything, um, worthwhile to give it a good run. Yeah. What about you, Jesse? Yeah. I think the expectations were just too high for him. I mean, he's, he played pretty well, decently well, but not at a venue like, you know, I mean, we haven't seen him in Augusta in what, two years. So, you know, the the whole pressure of a major going back to Augusta, Mm -hmm. 
that stuff you got to get used to again, even for Tiger. Um, he's not the same guy he was, you know, 2012, um, even before that. So it's just going to be a work in progress for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, one last thing. I'll ask it since you went. And when Jesse did it last year, Bucks, what was it like going to the Masters? I mean, it's just – it's incredible. I mean, it's um, – as a golf fan, you're there <clears throat> kind of witnessing all of these locations. You've seen all of these incredible shots. Um, but not only that, like, Augusta is the most well-kept – golf course on the planet number one uh, number two they run it incredibly well like they are so efficient with everything they do it's just a really enjoyable event um but not only that then you get on the course you're not allowed to have your cell phone and so you're completely disconnected with the world and so is everybody around you and you're literally watching golf looking around looking at the courses you're talking to people you're standing next to people and sitting next to people in these chairs and you're having conversations with people that you're likely just looking at your DK score at any <laughs> other golf tour. Um, and so it was, it's just a phenomenal place. Um, but then seeing all of these um, players come through, hitting these incredible shots, people don't understand how difficult Augusta really is. Like, Patrick Reed and that whole crew make it look like a cakewalk, and it's not. Like, you have holes like number seven, for example, where if you miss your certain portion of the green by more than a couple feet, you're going to have, like, a 30-foot putt. Like, there's no – like, when you have a center cut pin on number seven, if you miss it five feet left or five feet right, you're screwed. And so it's such a precise golf course – you just don't get a feel for that really on TV um, until you're there live. It is well worth it. So it was awesome, man. And it's hilly is all get out too. Oh yeah. It is a walk and a half, man. <laughs> it's such walking that golf course. Think think yeah. about like the hilliest course you've ever played is probably like that. It's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. Nice. Well mine was a Pete Dye course. We'll talk about a Pete Dye course here in a little bit. But um Jesse, why don't you do a little fan share Masters recap for us before we get into the RBC? Yeah, so Reed came in at 134 points overall, which was about 25 more than second place uh, Ricky, um, and he was only about 9% owned in the Millie Maker. He was nowhere on my radar. Uh, I, I did, I mean, as far as, like, playing him heavily, I did add a couple of them just because he fit uh, in the Millie, but it didn't matter. Um, and then of the top 10 and DK points, six were top, uh, top 25 in their, uh, in the tags on fan share, uh, major bomb of the top 10 and tags was Sergio, who we all watched, uh, collapse on 15. Still can't believe he did that. Um, hit five balls in the water. Took a 13, uh, went from one over to like thousand over, um, another chalk bomb, was uh, DeChambeau is a 16% on. He did make the cut. Didn't Chapel miss the cut? Did Chapel miss the cut or did he make it? He I made believe it. so, yeah. He uh-huh. missed it. He missed it. He missed it. Yeah. And then Charlie Hoffman, um, you know, he showed he showed through again. He was 
uh, he was on there at Logan's uh, list of, of pivots. Um, and he's, you know, he's had a good course history coming in, but not really great form. I ended up finishing sixth in DK points. The, the perfect lineup was Reed, Fowler, Spieth, uh, Watson, Cam Smith, and Stinson. And the Millie Maker lineup had all those guys except for Cam Smith. Instead, they had Henley. So just barely off, but like we talk about all the time, you got to have the perfect lineup or almost the perfect lineup to win the million dollars, which apparently a guy got married this weekend and won a million dollars. Wow, what a lucky lady. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing they got married on Saturday, so there was no prenup. Yeah, poor, poor bastard. Like I've I've always thought about that honestly. Like if I ever hit the nuts, like do I go and get divorced first, or how do I do this before I tell her it happened? Oh, your wife isn't listening. Man. I'm joking, half joking. <laughs> this guy also apparently that won the millie. He only put 20 entries in, so you don't have to max enter it, as many people think you have to. He had 45% Sergio exposure, so it just takes one lineup. Yeah. You can. It's, it's all it takes. We take this brief break in the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast to talk to you about Rotowear, one of the greatest shirts in fantasy sports. They have DFS shirts, fantasy season long, all kinds of great shirts. They're the best quality shirts in the industry. No other brand can compete with Rotowear in terms of quality, premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts, specialized printing process, designed as part of the shirt, literally dyed bleached into the fabric, no thick ink. It's ridiculous the amount of options you can find over 30 different designs. Fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, DFS, they keep coming out with more and more and more stuff. Men's, women's, kids, you name it, they've got it. There's lots of buzz kicking up in the fantasy industry about it. People are wearing these shirts. They're representing the shirts. They are great quality shirts. And you can have one too. You can have more than one, as many as you want. Just use the promo code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, DGENS, for 20% off your order. Go to rotoware.com. Or go to at Rotoware on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out what they have. They're giving away free shirts all the time on Twitter. But when you go to purchase, use the code DGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to the Always Pressing PGA TFS podcast. We have to move on, unfortunately, from the Masters. I think we could pretty much talk about it for a long time. Um, let's go to the RBC Heritage Preview down there in South Carolina. Uh, Jesse, why don't you give us some past event history before we get the course preview? Yeah, so obviously we're playing in South Carolina, like you just said, and uh, I didn't have it uh, pulled up, so give me just a second here. Um, Last year, uh, Wesley Bryan was the winner. Um, First-time winner on on the PGA Tour. He shot 13-under and beat Luke Donald. Now, remember Luke Donald's name. Year before that, Brandon Grace was the winner at minus nine. Uh, he beat Luke Donald and Russell Donalds. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. Uh, 2015, Jim Furyk was your winner over Kevin Kisner in a playoff. Kuchar, 2014 winner by one shot over Luke Donald. <laughs> um, so he's only played – Luke Donald's played second here one, two, three, four, five times uh, in the last, like, since 2009. So – Pretty incredible. Yeah, that doesn't suck for sure. Um, Bucks, give us a course preview of this Pete Dye course. Yeah, so this is a um, – obviously, this is Harbortown. So one of the most iconic courses they play all year. 
it is a Pete Dye with a little bit of Jack Nicklaus uh, touch up in there. 7,100 yards, par 71. Pretty standard stuff. Jesse already went through kind of the cut line and winning score. Um, what you should know, and this is pretty typical of Pete Dye. We've already talked about Pete Dye this year. Uh, but with Pete Dye, you have very visually intimidating shots, not only into the greens, but off the tee. Um, this course is a little bit different because it is very, very tight. Um, it's demanding off the tee. The greens are very, very uh, small. Uh, it requires you to shape the ball off the tee and into the greens to hit certain pin locations. Um, it, it is honestly truly a ball striker's golf course, not a course you're going to overpower. Um, and like Jesse said, anytime, per, anytime Luke Donald's a perennial contender, you know the distance stats kind of just go out the window. Um, <laughs> sure. So I, I think overall as a course, it starts right out of the gate. One of the tightest tee shots on the, the course is hole one. Um, you have to position yourself well off the tee. You can't just – just hitting a fairway isn't good enough here. You have to put it in certain places off the tee, certain sides of the fairway to give yourself a shot at these greens. Um, even if you hit the fairway on a lot of these holes, you're going to be blocked out by trees. Incredibly tree-lined until you get to like 17. Then you have a couple seaside-type holes – um, as far as a hole breakdown, you do have four par threes that average 190 yards. Um, all of those par threes, you're obviously hitting a mid to a long iron, and depending on the player, uh, there are 11 par fours. They average 427 yards. You have seven holes, though, under 450 yards that they're going to be hitting nine iron or less. And then you have four holes over 450 where they're typically going to be hitting an eight, seven, six iron, again, depending on the player, but... Um, typically averaging around 150 yards into those par fours. Um, the par fives, there are three par fives. They average 547 yards. Two of the three are, are reachable by pretty much the entire field. Um, the 15th, though, is 588 yards. Only the longest of guys are going to get there. Um, the first two par fives, though, they yield birdies at a – 46 percent clip so uh people light these par fives up on the front nine they're both on the front nine um that 15th though that yields birdies at a 26 percent clip so still high but not nearly as high as those easy par fives on the front so um while and again jesse will touch on this in a minute while it is very very important to have guys um positioning themselves well around here you still have to be conscious of how many birdies are giving up on these par fives yeah it definitely seems like uh there are some points there are some strokes to be made out there but scrambling does come into play putting the works pete die specialties um the weather that we're looking at right now from what i saw got some rain early in the week monday tuesday ish but um for the tournament wise, not bad. Should be in the 70s. Gentle wind, maybe up to 10, 15, and some days on the weekend. But overall, not too bad. And we should hopefully avoid weather Sunday. You have a chance of rain, but uh, hopefully it all stays away. And we have a nice tournament there in uh, Harbor Town, as you're talking about. Jesse, what are some of the key stats you're looking for? Yeah, it's uh, accuracy this week. So off the tee. Um, into the green, so big heavyweight on greens and regulation, 
scrambling. Uh, the greens are, you know, like Bucks just said, the greens are small here, so it, you're not going to hit them all, obviously. And one thing about P. Dye is he's an asshole around the green, so if you miss, more than likely you're down into some kind of collection area and you have to make a not so straightforward up and down. Um, so guys who are, are doing well around the green, I think is important. And then par five scoring is important in my opinion as well. Uh, and then course history, man, course history matters this week. Luke Donald being number one course history uh, cover man. Yes, definitely. Uh, what about you, Bucks? Yeah, so I'll echo quite a bit of what Jesse said, but I will say um, – with these greens being so small, I am focused less on like strokes gained approach, um, the strokes gained stats, that kind of thing. I'm I'm really focused on accuracy and then proximity. So when you're coming into the greens, hitting a green is one thing, but having the guys that are elite when it comes to hitting it close is really really important here. And then, like Jesse said, mixing those stats with having really strong short games um, is important because, like he said, Pete Dye is really tough when you come into these greens and miss them. You're going to have some awkward lies, tough little pitch shots, and then there's obviously a ton of sand around these uh, around these holes. Um, so having solid proximity from 100 yards to 200 yards, um, and I'm waiting kind of that 125 to 175 range higher than – the rest um, but then having your short game stats and the strokes game putting is the last category that I'm really focused on yeah I like that I'm looking at accuracy kind of strokes gain around the green putting and as normal I'm a big course history recent form guy that's me to a T I could probably not tell you what I'm looking at every week and you'll know what I'm looking at um, with that being said let me get a little fan share RBC info for you Coming into this, the last uh, for the guys in this field, top ten in the last ten events, DraftKings wise, uh, with tag counts, there's six golfers outside the top 25 in tags that are top ten this week in DraftKings scoring. It goes DJ one, Casey, Ian Poulter is uh, is third in scoring. He's been 64th on average in tags, so keep that in mind. Uh, Emiliano Grillo, he's been 34th in tags. You got Luke List. Mark Leishman, who's been 53rd in tags. Here's one that might get your attention. Paul Dunn is averaging 77.5 DraftKings points per event, and he's 115th in tags. Sean O'Hare, he's averaging 76.5 points at 89 tags. And Brian Harmon and Kevin Tway. He hasn't been playing the greatest golf. He's averaging almost 75 DraftKings points, 147th most tagged guy. So kind of a couple of those kind of stand out. And we've seen, for the most part, those – Somehow come into play come Sunday. Um, when you're looking at last year here at Harbortown, obviously West Bryant, he was uh, ninth and tagged. He had the most points. Luke Donald, second. He had Ollie, who was 73rd in tags, had 97 DraftKings points. He had Dirt McGirt. Sam Saunders was the 95th most tagged guy, had 93 DraftKings points. He had uh, Cantley, Brian Gay, Bud Colley was 73rd. Brian Harmon and then Duffner was third most tagged. He was the 10th at 87 points. So it, basically what you're getting out of this is there's a lot of guys that aren't, you know, your most popular guys. When we get to the pricing here coming up, especially in that 7K range, you're going to see a lot of names that you wouldn't be shocked if they're top 10 and top 15 come into the week. Uh, last thing is before we get into the winners and all that good stuff and our picks, um, 
some stats I did see 25 or 28 of the last 35 winners at Harbortown. They played the masters the week before. Um, but three of the last five winners missed the cut at Augusta. So take that for however you wish. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting philosophy. I saw a bunch of different things thrown around today. Some made me chuckle. That one to me was worth keeping because at least the ones that played the weekend before, there's a bigger sample there to kind of pay attention to. Interesting. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, let's get into the DraftKings pricing. We'll start in the 10K and above range. We got four golfers. We got Dustin Johnson. Since he's sponsored by RBC, he's making his appearance. He's 0 for 2 on cuts here. He's 12,000. Paul Casey, Kucher at 10-8, and Leishman at 10-3. Bucks, who you got up top? Yeah, I mean, again, four freaking guys up here. Um, I obviously love Paul Casey. He's been playing well. He pops on my model. Um he is solid as far as proximity goes, as far as putting goes, birdies, DK points. Um, so I personally like Paul Casey up here. Um, I don't like Dustin Johnson. Um, I'm looking at the last 24 rounds and of all courses, and he is not from proximity from 100 to 150. He's not inside the top 100. Um, and so, and he's outside the top 100 fairways gain so that's a guy that i'm avoiding like the plague so paul casey's up here for me that's about it what about you jesse yeah obviously i mean paul casey is is one dustin johnson presents an an interesting opportunity because a lot of people are going to be looking at him at twelve thousand and a he's the most expensive golfer but this pricing is so soft it's so easy to fit him in so DraftKings gave out this free uh this free roll because Tiger Woods made the cut. Yes. $5,000 and there's 220,000 people in it. So $100 to first place out of 220,000 people. So if you win that, you know, you're probably winning all the money if you put all, if you put it someplace else. So I guess that was a line of thinking. Anyway, long story short, I think Dustin Johnson probably comes in lower owned. So he presents an opportunity because obviously he's head and shoulders above everybody else in this field as far as, you know, world golf ranking and just pedigree. Um, so it depends on how, you know, just depends on where he kind of comes in and ownership. I, I think I'll have some of him. Uh, I do like Leishman at 10 three though. He played, he played well last week. Um, just kind of had a blah Saturday where he shot one over and I didn't do much Sunday, but he's still Mark Leishman. I mean, he's, he's still a really good golfer. Um, so obviously Paul Casey too. I mean, let me everybody <laughs> probably have all four of them, but yeah. It, for, for me, I'll probably have more Leishman, I think. Yeah, I don't mind Casey at all. My guy up here is Kutcher at 10-8. Uh, 13 of 14 cuts made here. He's won the tournament. He's five top tens. He knows his course very, very well. Um, he's been hanging with a lot of the golfers for the last year or so, but the shorter courses really make me like Kutcher because he can definitely hang there. Um, the question I have for you guys with Dustin Johnson, how much does he care about playing in this tournament? Because this is Zero. really – that's why I'm worried about him. I don't. He's there to shake hands, maybe kiss a few babies. He's doing his sponsorship agreement. I'm not saying he's going to miss the cut by any means. He's good enough to probably walk up, you know, wake up after falling downstairs and going out there make the cut at this tournament. But um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's ugly. But at the same time, if he blitz the field, no one would be surprised either. Right. That's the thing. I mean, he could lap this field if he goes yeah. out there and takes it seriously. That's why I think he's a great GPP play. Assuming I, he comes I down think, over ownership. Yeah, I think it comes down to 
hole number one. Yep. He gets off to a good start. Dude is like, all right, I might as well play. If he doesn't, he doesn't care. Yeah, right, I could see I could see him checking out real quick. I agree with that. I agree with that too. That's the only concern I have with him when you're paying 12k. But again, you could fit him in easy with what pricing we'll get to here. Uh, we got five guys in the 9k range: Brian Harmon, Webb Simpson, Bucks Boy, Poulter, yeah. Cantley, and Cam Smith. Bucks got a lot of decisions to make here in the 9,000 range. This, this, um, this range is just sexy. All the this, this, this is all the Bucks' <laughs> money right here. Can he have a bigger budget, DraftKings? He needs to fit in all five. Um, <laughs> Jesse, who do you like here before we get to Bucks and his his tough decisions? Yeah, I'll let him go. But uh, I, the, the guy I like most in this region, I think, is Poulter. Um, a, the price hike is pretty ginormous for him based on the last couple weeks that he's played. Um, but he's playing really well, hitting a lot of fairways, a lot of greens right now. Um, and so he would be my guy in this range. Okay, Bucks, who you got? So – Hold on, I'm trying to do the math real quick because I'm an idiot. Um, I'm you can probably fit all five of them. Oh, yeah, you can definitely fit all five of them. You yeah. can't fit all five of them. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't. You can't like but here's what I am going to do. I am going to have uh, Harmon, Simpson, Cantley, Smith, and Chris Stroud. <laughs> Rolling deep. There you go. <laughs> um. I think, honestly, I do like all these guys except for Ian Poulter. I'm not a big Ian Poulter fan. Um, but I love Webb Simpson here. Um, uh-huh. He is from 100 to 150 yards, really solid proximity, and he's been making a ton of putts this year. He lit, he lit up Augusta, too, with his putter, which was nice. So I do like Webb a lot. Um, I love Harmon as well. The, the two guys that I, I typically am all over is Cantlay and Smith. I'm not a huge Cantlay fan this week. Um, I just think that this golf course is – so when we when we saw him play, um, was it Riviera, which is mm-hmm. typically like a less-than-driver course um, on some of those holes, he didn't really play well. I know he's kind of in contention there for a while, but I didn't like the way he was playing. Cam Smith is a guy that I'm obviously going to be playing – Probably, I mean, for me, it'll be underweight compared to the field. It'll probably be overweight. Um, but I just, from his stat perspective, I'm not a huge Cam Smith fan this week. Um, but I do love the way he's been playing, man. The guy's on fire right now. So I think he um, can definitely be in contention, but I wouldn't have him winning because I think Webb's going to win. Yeah, I do like Webb a lot in this range, and that's odd for me to say at 9,400. Last time I liked Webb, last time I liked Webb a lot, he missed the cut. So just putting that one out there right now. Out, cats out of the bag. Hopefully not the case this week. Um, all these golfers are very qualified and, and good picks, as you mentioned. But I, I'm going Webb and Cantley. I like Cantley a lot here. He T3'd here last year. He is coming off a missed cut, but man, he's been grinding. That's the first missed cut of his career, I think. And well, that um, really, and, really good. And he missed the cut, so yeah. When you talk about with the whole missed cut winning, yep, yep, yeah. You don't 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 spoil my ending, damn it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, Webb Simpson and Cantlay are the two I'm kind of focusing up in this nine K range. That is absolutely loaded, as you guys mentioned. Let's get into the eight Ks where you have some more nice decisions. List Hatton Kisner. 
Grillo, Moore, DeChambeau, Nah, Hadwin, and Furyk. Uh, real quick, I'll give a few. Kisner, 87. He's always a guy that tilts me, but you can't deny how he's played at this course and at Pete Dye courses. He has these ones figured out really, really well. So 8700 bucks for a guy that could easily contend here. He's second place three years ago, T11 here last year. And he's actually coming in playing decent golf, Kisner golf, but decent golf. So I don't hate him at 8700 DeChambeau catches my attention at 83 because he's playing really, really well right now. He has a T4 here. He um, kind of – his accuracy and all these these, these around-the-green things, he can do pretty well. So I don't mind DeChambeau at that price tag. Um, Adam Hadwin at 81, I really, really like at that price tag. That's too cheap for me at this course coming in playing basically T25 or better in five straight events. That's pretty darn good. You're going to hear the Jim Furyk narrative all week. I probably won't play him at all, but he does play great at this course. And I know, Jesse, we've talked about it. I can't remember if it's a podcast or not that we forget these old timers can be really sneaky plays on these short courses. So yeah. Furyk's the guy to keep in mind, but I won't go there. So a couple guys for me. Bucks, who do you like in the 8K range? Yeah, there's four guys that I really, really like. Um, uh, Emiliano Grillo, Bryson, Kevin Na, and Hadwin. Um, you already touched on Bryson um, and Hadwin. Both are great plays. Bryson's actually number one in my model, um, top 25 in all proximity categories. Um, if Bryson can putt this week, then I think he is in contention easily. Um, but it all comes down to that putter for him. Um, Hadwin I really, really like. And then Kevin Na stands out because of his proximity in – three out of the four categories and he's been putting well. So I'll probably have a lot of this range, probably Bryson and Nah, um, and then sprinkle in some had had one as well. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, I'm a big Hadwin fan as well. I think he'll be pretty popular though at that price. Um, hitting a lot of greens and he, he played pretty well last week. Uh, nothing spectacular, but he made the cut and, uh, and hung around a little bit. He was in the lead or close to the lead there after day one, um, another guy who you guys, a couple guys you guys didn't mention, uh, Luke List. I know it's not a bomber's course, but he's hitting a lot of greens in regulation uh, recently. Um, and it's not a terrible price for him, I don't think, in this field. Uh, another guy who probably won't be that popular is because people hate him because he's kind of a donkey. But uh, Tyrell, Tyrell, I don't know how you really say his name. I've heard it a thousand different ways. I'm just going to call him Hatton. Um uh, I, I think that's a good price on him as well. And then Grillo, as well as 8600 I'm not a huge fan of the price there, uh, but playing really good golf. Made a bunch of cuts in a row on tour, and uh, he's never played here. But, you know, we'll see how it plays out for him. He's, he's, a, he's a ball striker, so if he can get the putter going, I think he's in contention. Ryan Moore's other guy at 85, who I think has some, some merit there. Um, so for me, obviously, Hadwin's number one, and then I'll have quite a bit of probably Luke List. Now, one thing I do want to mention, too, I think we've reached the portion of the PGA DFS season where it's going to become optimal to start making more balanced lineups. If you remember last year, we talked about this quite a bit. Um, I mean, if Dustin Johnson checks out, if Pete, Paul Casey's hips still bothering him, Kutcher doesn't show up, Leishman doesn't show up, a balanced lineup is going to be do pretty well, I think, this week. Yeah, there's a lot of these guys you can see winning because if you look at their odds to win, they're like 30 to 40 to 1 type guys all in this range. And those are pretty legit odds for the price tag you're playing on DraftKings. Um, 
let's drop that into the 7K range where 61 of our 132 golfers reside. 132 <laughs> golfers this week, 70 make the cuts. So we're back to the old cut standard, but 61 of them, almost half, very close. Jesse, give us some of the 7K guys you're looking at. Yeah, this, I mean, this, this range, this region, when we get down to the bottom, it pisses me off so bad. But either way, Zach Johnson up top, I think he's a guy who, short hitter, good wedge game, um, you know, just overall pretty straightforward as far as his game goes. He's not going to wow you with anything. Uh, and he's made the cut a bunch of years here and only missed the cut twice, uh, 2015, 2011. He didn't play here last year. But um, either way, moving down, Francisco Molinari. So, that, like, whenever it's a Francisco Molinari week for me, it's really, really super tilting. He's number one on my model, um, hitting just a lot of greens and regulation. Hits it down the middle. He played. He played. His putter was non-existent last week. He actually played tee to green very well at Augusta. Um, just obviously couldn't putt, which is about typical for him. I mean, there's really nothing. It's not surprising when you play Francisco Molinar. You don't expect him to drain. Um, you just hope he can two putt. Uh, Jason Kokrak's another guy. I think's interesting at 74. Strillman at 73. I think is underpriced. Um, Bunch of made cuts in a row here. Kind of been blah uh, the last two years he's been here, but he's just a, a, a consistent cut maker at 7,300. I like him quite a bit. Moving down, I think Chris Kirk is interesting at 71. Um, Bud Colley, who is at – I think he's at 73. 73 is a, is a ridiculous underprice to me. Finished ninth here last year um, and coming off two straight top 20s on tour. I don't understand that price at all whatsoever on him. And then there's just a bunch more down. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on, which is one reason why I think that maybe potentially there's not a whole lot of chalk down here because it'll be spread out. Um, potentially, it just kind of depends. But, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Bud this week. I'll probably have him quite a bit. I've already made a few teams, and he made just about every one of them. Um, then, yeah, Kirk, uh, Bryce Garnett, maybe potentially at seven. Bucks, what about you? Yeah, there's fucking 50,000 people down here. So, um, But I'll, I'll go through. Jesse mentioned quite a few of them, but I do like Zach Johnson. Chappie is one of those guys that burned the shit out of me last week, but he did miss the cut, so he's probably going to win this week. Um, but he definitely pops on my model, and his talent level is, is there. So, um, And I like the fact that this is a less-than-driver course for him. Um, so he doesn't have to rely on blasting that driver everywhere and keeping it out of trouble. Um, I really like uh, Charlie Hoffman. really like James Hahn this week. Um, a guy that I'm kind of in – I got mixed emotions about, but I got to play him for the brand is Benny on probably because <laughs> um, if he does go off and win, I'll just shoot myself if I don't have a piece of him. Um Another guy, Grayson Murray, Chesson Howley. Patton Kazir is a guy that um, I think that this type of course will suit him um, because, again, he's been getting in a lot of trouble off the tee, and I don't think he has to worry about that a lot here. Um, so I do like Patton Kazir. I'm glad you mentioned Streelman. Um, John Huh is another one that I like. Brendan Harkins I like. And then the last guy in this range that I do like is Rory Sabatini. Of course. Yes. Of course. Yeah. Staying on brand. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
All right. I'll pick up the scraps here in the 7K range. I do like ZJ quite a bit. Um, every week I say he's underpriced. I still in this field think 7,900 might be too cheap for him. He seems yeah. like a lot, a lot catch game guy for me and still a good GPP guy. Um, Duffner, he's had great success this course. I know he missed the cut at the Masters by a stroke. Still having a really good year at 78. He's too cheap in this tournament to me. Um, you mentioned the course history. Luke Donald will be chalky at 77. I don't want that. I'll go Hoffman at 77. You hit him, Bucks. Coming in, you know, playing amazing at the Masters yet again. And he's played well at this course, two top tens and an eight tries. So I don't mind him at all. Molinari, of course, at 75. Like, why would you not play Francisco Molinari at 75? That's just too easy. Um, the farther down you go, Bud Colley, I that stood out to me right away, Jesse. 7,300 bucks for Bud just seems – Something else. We're missing something, apparently. Um, Streelman at 73. I love him. Nick Watney at 72 still, um, playing really good golf. Not the best history at this course, but he's coming in, playing really, really good golf, um, just making cut after cut after cut, top 35 or better. At that price, you'll take that. Uh, John Huh, that's a guy I've been rolling with at 72, so that'll be my stay on Brown pick. And um, I'm not going Flores this week. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm worried about him this week. But uh, one guy, Jesse, you did not mention. I don't know how BS it is. Stuart Sink, $7,000. <laughs> yeah, Stu got – I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't even notice him, to be honest with you, because I was just pissed off about the rest of these guys in this range. I mean, it's, it's so loaded at the bottom. Like, they could have priced up a lot more guys toward the top. But yeah, I agree. But he's missed the cut last two years here, so that's probably why, I guess. Yeah, he had missed it the last couple of years, but still a two-time winner, 14 yeah. of 18 cuts. He's playing good. I'm with you. Uh, let's go to the 6K range to finish it up. Bucks, who you liking down here? Yeah, this um, – I mean, typically I'm not going to fire down here, um, but there are a couple guys that I was interested in. Um, Tyrone Van Aswagen, Kelly Kraft are two guys I think are good. Von Taylor is a guy that I like, and I think he's mispriced here. Um, from a proximity perspective, he has the game. He hits a lot of fairways. He avoids a lot of bogey. So I, I do like him to contend. And at 6800 bucks, he's worth a shot. Um, and then the kind of two two guys I'll mention last. One is Chris Stroud at 6500 bucks. Again, I think he's mispriced here. Um from a stats perspective, he is in – he's third from 100 to 125 yards and 25th from 120 to 150 yards, and he, he's eighth in putting last 24 rounds. So that's a guy that if I do get stupid up top and go true stars and scrubs, he's going to be in my team. Um, and then one guy that I'll sprinkle in because I have to is Billy Hurley the third. Yeah, I thought of you immediately when I saw him down there at that price tag. Uh, Jesse, what do you like in the 6K range? Yeah, the guy that stands out the most to me is Lucas Glover at 6,800. Yep. Three straight make cuts here, 32nd, 33rd, 18th the last three years. And he's made four on tour and missed only one in his last, last like, year. So it's pretty ridiculous price on, on him, in my opinion. Another guy who I think is interesting because he's kind of popping on the model because he's hitting a lot of greens again and he's hitting a lot of fairways. Michael Thompson, of course, history is trash. Three straight missed cuts here. And, but he's coming off two straight top 25s on tour. Um, 
the thing is, is I was like looking at his history and last year it was kind of the same coming in here and he missed the cut. So I don't know if it's just, he doesn't like this golf course or something. I, I I'm not real sure, but he's just an interesting kind of play at 6,900. Um, and then, I'll stay on brand with KJ Choi at 6,600. He's a short knocker. Uh, he did make the cut uh, at Corrales, finished fifth, and then also at the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach. So um, be rooting for him this week for um, personal reasons as well. Yeah, that's a good one for Choi because he fits this mold perfectly. I'm looking at Chad Campbell at 6,900 in this range. Uh, Van Asswagen is one of my favorite ones. You hit on him, Bucks at 69. Uh, Lucas Glover at 68, agree completely there. Vaughn Taylor at 68 bucks. I, I was looking at that too, and he does seem way mispriced to me in this range. Um, besides the way he's playing in general, he's played really well here. So I, I do like that a lot at 6,800. And then if for some reason you have to go really, really deep, and I don't want to, but if you need to, uh, a guy I'll play a lot as we get away from the West Coast is Scott Brown at 6,600 bucks. Four or five cuts here, including a, a T5. Um, and he, he's made three of his last five cuts on tour. So at 6,600 bucks, basically bottom of the basement pricing. I'll give him a look. All right, gentlemen, that wraps up the DraftKings pricing. Let's do our punts, bus, core, winners, the works. Bucks, who are your punt plays for the week? Punt plays for the week, definitely going to be um, Stroud and Von Taylor. I like it. What about you, Jesse? Yeah, I mean Lucas Glover. I don't know if he's a punt, but uh, I would I would include him. I guess at sixty eight hundred, and then Michael Thompson. I think is the is the punt. I mean. All right, my punts are uh, Lucas Glover and Von Taylor because they're sub seven k. Um, Bucks, who's your bust of the week? I mean, outside of DJ, it's going to be Leishman. <laughs> yeah, I can I can dig that. What about you, uh, Jesse? Ah, uh, man. I, don't know. I, th- I think it'll be Cam Smith. I just. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, like, yeah, outside, of, <laughs> outside, outside of DJ, I'm definitely there on the DJ train. I'm going Ian Poulter. Uh, he has played really well here, but I think he's about burned out. That guy had to give everything just to get into the Masters. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a letdown week from Poulter in this one. Uh, who's your core, Bucks? Uh, it's definitely going to be Simpson. Um, probably Simpson and Nah, and then I'll build around that probably. All righty then. What about you, Jesse? It's, it pains me to say it, but it's just hard for me to to Molinari and and Hadwin. <laughs> it rolls right off the tongue. I don't know how it's hard to. Say. It's going to be such a tilting week for me. Molinari, yeah, you, you better not be watching. Go get yeah. some spaghetti and meatballs uh, and, and celebrate. Uh, you guys, I may not be on the pod next week. Molinari, Hadwin, <laughs> and uh, I like List. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a List fan this week. I'm going to throw him in there as well. My core this week is Cantley, Molinari, and Bud Colley. That'll be my core three. All right, the moment of truth. Bucks, who do you have winning this bad boy? Webb Simpson. I don't. I don't hate it this week. I really don't. I like it. I can dig it. What about you, Jesse? So Webb's twenty-five to one. Um, book it. Book it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Winner this week will be um, Adam Hadwin, 33 to 1. Oh, I do like that too. I like that too. My winner this week will be Patrick Cantley, 35 to 1. I do like that. What's what's Chapel? Chaps is 50. After last week, he's going to be so low owned. Yeah. Miscut narrative. Probably narratives there. If we do that yeah, one. There's, there's yeah. some good ones. Remember, three of the last five winners missed the cut. That's right. What about Molinari, Jesse? Just out of curiosity, uh, so you can so you can celebrate your DraftKings winnings. Uh, he's 50 as well. Yeah. All right. Any final <laughs> words, gentlemen, as we get ready for the RBC this weekend? It's going to be quite the letdown, but I will say DraftKings brought the tournaments out. They have a handful of 100K winter tournaments. Uh, some good stuff out there. Yeah, there's definitely some good good tournaments. I, I totally agree with that. They're trying to to drag the, the Masters, the one-time Masters players into it. Um, so hopefully everything fills up. But I, like I said before, I think balanced lineups wins the day this week. Well, I, I, th- I think they – and they noted it last week. Like they were like, we can't believe that these contests filled that fast. And every other person on the planet was like, how do you not understand that they're going to fill that fast? I forgot about that. With everything that went on, yes. And that's every week, though. Like these I was going to say, it's happening every week they fill so yeah. fast. I don't know what they're afraid of. Are they afraid of overlay that much? But I just don't understand how you don't make like a, a dynamic tool, like a model that like allows it to grow as the entrance grows. They can't. Like, this that's- doesn't seem that hard. It's by law. You can't do that by law. They have to set the guarantee. I think well, eventually that would be the way to go <laughs> is to let it continue to grow. Say, we'll guarantee $5 million for the Millie Maker, and if it gets above $5 million, it gets above $5 million, we'll adjust the pay yeah. structure. Well, but they can't. That makes yeah, sense, but it sucks. It, I, it I agree. They, they totally dropped the ball on that. But then again, they also said that Tiger doesn't, doesn't affect any contests. They have data, <laughs> and data on that. Yeah, the data they have was on the Goonies um, from 2015. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, geniuses. All right, gentlemen, I'm gonna wrap it up. Check out Bucks on Twitter at BP Snow 11. Jesse is at DFS Golf Gods. I'm at BDAntrick. And check out the podcast at Always Press DFS. This was your 2018 RBC Heritage Preview. Catch you guys next week. Oh, yeah.